0: Welcome to the Art of Mathematics. I'm Carol Jacoby and joining me today is Will Murray, who's a professor of mathematics at the California State University, Long Beach and also chairman of the department. Welcome, Will.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate it.
0: One thing I wanted to talk to you about is stereotypes about mathematicians. I'm sure you've run across that in your work. Can you talk about that?
1: Sure. Yeah, there there are lots of stereotypes about mathematicians and the practice of doing math kind of out there in the general public. And some of them are positive and some of them are negative. And some of them have a kernel of truth, but a lot of them have been uh, embroidered and exaggerated. One thing that people say all the time is, oh, you do math, you must be very smart, or I wasn't smart enough to go into math and things like that. So there's this this stereotype out there of math being a field that is accessible only to some kind of geniuses, which I don't really think is true. I think it is something that, like every other field, both academic and, and practical, It's something that if you spend time on and if you're interested in, you will get better at it. Anybody will. Some people might improve at it more quickly than others, just like any other field. If you play tennis, then you'll get better at it. If you like tennis, you'll get better at it. And some people might improve more quickly at tennis than other people. But anybody who practices tennis and enjoys it will get better at it and will hopefully find a way to enjoy themselves with it and i think the same is true as with math if you're interested in it if you practice it you will get better at it and you will find some enjoyment and find interesting questions to examine and interesting techniques to learn i think one of the reasons that people have this stereotype is that math is one of the few fields that almost everybody has been forced to engage with at some point if you aren't interested in tennis then there's really no reason to play tennis in your whole life but uh, if you aren't interested in math there's sort of no escaping it and so a lot of people have been kind of forced into it found that they weren't interested or not stimulated by the circumstances in which they studied it and so they kind of became turned off by math and as a result it became this sort of mysterious thing and so people sort of Arrived at this stereotype that the people who do enjoy math and who do engage with it and consequently have some success in learning something about mathematical patterns, they have this genius image, which I think really isn't especially accurate. I think it's, you know, you can be very talented in all manners of human endeavor, and certainly math is one of them, but, you know, being a, a talented mathematician doesn't make you a genius any more than being a talented player of a musical instrument or a sport or a, a very insightful historian or, or you know, a, a talented linguist. So it's a little strange that we got that stereotype, but um, it's something that, you know, mathematicians certainly sometimes enjoy exploiting and saying, oh, yes, it's very true. So that, that's one stereotype. Kind of related to that is this stereotype of it being this field that is disconnected from other aspects of human endeavor and disconnected from human communication. So there's this sort of uh, stereotype about mathematicians as being lone geniuses and they do this, they study this field and speak this language that nobody else can comprehend. And they're very poor at explaining themselves to other people and making their work understood by normal human beings or even by other people who are sort of experts in the field. Again, there's, there's a bit of a kernel of truth to that. I, I sort of see where that comes from because math does have a very specialized language and sort of very specialized techniques. But the idea of it being something that is only appealing or only accessible to lone geniuses is not something that I agree with at all. I think, first of all, like many other fields, it lends itself very well to collaboration. And the more you talk about math and exchange ideas with other people, the the more insights you can discover. And the other thing that I'd like to mention with that is that your ideas in mathematics, they're only successful and valuable up to the extent that you can communicate them to other people. If I have a brilliant technique and I can't describe it to you, it's really quite worthless because there's no way to justify that my technique is brilliant. If I have discovered a way to calculate something that nobody else can calculate and I present this answer to you, why are you going to trust it if I can't justify why my technique works if i just present you a number at the bottom of a page full of calculations and you you see this number you know how can you trust that but if i can show you all the calculations and i can explain to you why they're valid and persuade you that they're valid then at the end you're going to trust the number that i have at the bottom of the paper and you're going to have the confidence to go build a bridge and drive over that bridge with the knowing that it's a a safe value so i think the skill of communication is very important to doing math well. And so, one of these other stereotypes that people have about mathematicians is that they're very nerdy and they have no social skills and they, you know, they're terrible communicators. I think that's in some ways unfair in that to be a successful and productive mathematician, you have to be a very strong communicator. It's all about communication, it's all about persuasion in the same way that, say, Uh, Legal advocacy is all about persuasion. It's all about convincing somebody else of your argument. There is, of course, some basis for that stereotype in that mathematics can be a sort of inward looking occupation and and these ideas and these structures sort of exist within the mind. It's not to say that they aren't aren't real, but a lot of the work we do takes place on paper or in computer calculations or, or in our own heads. And as such, working on mathematics can be kind of an introverted occupation, and it can attract people who are comfortable with introspection and comfortable with solitude and comfortable with kind of thinking about a problem quietly for, you know, hours or, or days or even years on end, you know. Famously, Andrew Wiles locked himself in his attic for seven years to solve Fermat's last theorem. Of course, that's an exaggeration. And, you know, he didn't really lock himself in his attic, but it was a sort of a solitary process where he had to think very hard for long periods of time on his own. And so if you're the kind of person who is not comfortable with that, you probably will not be totally comfortable as a mathematician. And so mathematics as a field, it does tend to attract people who are sort of comfortable with with solitary endeavors and may not always be comfortable in lots of social interactions. And so that's how we kind of get the, the nerdy stereotype. So it's not entirely unjustified, but I think it's definitely exaggerated and kind of become a caricature that is not always merited.
0: And what's going on in your head when you're doing mathematics is very exciting. And it just doesn't show to anybody outside of your your head.
1: That's true. And to go back to the example of Andrew Wiles, I think it was him. He had this famous metaphor of when you're trying to understand a mathematical pattern or, or a theorem, and it's like you walk into a completely darkened room and you're sort of groping around and you're bumping into furniture and you have no idea what you're looking at. And you might stumble around in the room for a long time and you're groping and fumbling and then eventually you stumble on the light switch and you flip it on and, you know, there's this huge moment of clarity where you see everything that you've been bumping into and it all makes sense and you say, okay, that was a piano and that was a chair and that was a table and that kind of ties into what you were saying and that the period of groping around in the darkness It is exciting because you're encountering all these structures and all these sort of unexplainable phenomena, but there's not much to see at that point. Certainly externally, if you're seeing somebody bumping around a darkened room, there's nothing to see there. But once the light comes on, it becomes very revealing and very exciting.
0: One other thing that I hear a lot is, oh, you're a mathematician. You must love numbers. You work with numbers. In fact, my uh, co-author said that his neighbor said, oh, well, you're a professor of mathematics. You must work with really big numbers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, you do math research? Wait, don't we know all the numbers already? Exactly. People tend to think that math is all about numbers and all about computation. Certainly we use numbers, and certainly we do study computational problems and issues, and there are lots of applications to computation. But I would argue that that's not really the essence of mathematics. And I would say the essence is about discovering patterns and explaining natural phenomena and logical phenomena, and using argumentation and logic and deduction to explain and justify and make predictions and that's more what we're doing on a daily basis and there are certainly applications of mathematics in very computational settings and we do you know stunning feats of computation But that's really based on understanding patterns that enable us to make those predictions and those computations. And the the real heart of it is sort of in the background of doing those kinds of logical reductions and analysis and proofs and understanding. So that kind of comes first before the the applications and the computations and the, the spitting out big numbers, which is what people think mathematicians do all day.
0: You mentioned patterns. I think that's at the heart of it, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think math is about sort of noticing patterns and trying to appreciate and understand and explain why they're true. Or, Well, first of all, questioning whether they really are true. And we don't really know whether they're true until we either come up with a logical deduction, in other words, a proof to justify it. Or a counterexample to show that a pattern doesn't hold. So I think that's very exciting. One of my favorite examples of the stereotypes of the real that the real world outside of the mathematical community has about math was when I saw a description of this of Sudoku puzzles. And it was saying that Sudoku puzzles have, they do have numbers in them, but they're not about math. Don't worry, there's no math in Sudoku. And it's all just about logic. So don't worry, there's no math. And I thought that encapsulated so many different incorrect stereotypes because, first of all, it was saying people would assume that it's about math because it has numbers in it. So math must be about numbers. And of course, that's not necessarily right. And then it was saying that because there's no arithmetic involved in Sudoku, I mean, it's not really important that there are numbers at all. But you- the symbols could just as well be stars or happy faces or whatever they don't have to be numbers it's just tradition that people use the numbers one through nine in sudoku puzzles but people think that because they're numbers it's all about math and arithmetic but there's no arithmetic involved it's strictly a logical puzzle and the whole point of sudoku is that there are strictly logical ways to uh, start with a sparse puzzle and then deduce your way to a sol- solution and then you don't really have to check it because once you solved it, you know that you have the correct solution because it obeys all the rules and you followed all the rules and you only made logical steps that you could fully justify that kind of forced you to fill in each number. So that's kind of exactly what mathematicians do is they start with logical rules and they say, well, if I can't do this, I have to do this. And eventually they kind of deduce their way to a theorem and say, well, The world must be this way because I've derived it from first principles. To me, that was kind of funny to see people thinking that that was not what math was at all when actually that is math. And the last stereotype that was embodied there is the stereotype when it said, don't worry, there's no math involved. So it was sort of saying, you know, the idea that actually doing math would be abhorrent to people, but, you know, lots of the general public, non mathematicians would enjoy doing Sudoku puzzles was kind of funny because it was saying that the stereotype is that people don't like math, but people do like doing logic. When in fact, Sudoku's were kind of a huge fad for years and almost everybody in the world has at one point or another played around with them. And many, many people have enjoyed doing Sudoku puzzles because they enjoy playing around with logic and making deductions and kind of the satisfaction of of completing a puzzle and knowing that you're right is very intriguing and sort of inherently satisfying to, to people. And there's no great practical application that I know of, it's just fun, people enjoy doing it. Lots of people who have you know no mathematical training but beyond the barest minimum that they were forced to do in school enjoy that kind of logical process. That to me is a sign that what we do in mathematics that is logical deduction and kind of engaging with puzzles can be extremely entertaining for its in its own right and extremely satisfying to very large segments of the population and many many more people than would think that they are actually interested in math as presented in a stereotype.
0: Yeah, that's a great example. Tricking people into doing math.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I very much appreciate about math and people may not always understand it externally, is that math is even more than, than the other sciences. We derive mathematical results from first principles, and we sort of use logic to test the correctness of our mathematical theories and logic and derivation and being able to persuade our colleagues through formal proofs. And that does sort of separate it from the other sciences in that certainly, say, theoretical physicists certainly use lots of mathematics and lots of logical deduction and lots of derivation. But at the end of the day, you know, the test of a theory is whether it agrees with experimental evidence. And if it doesn't, then you, you better get a new physical theory. In mathematics, uh, certainly, we test whether things agree with examples that we've calculated ourselves, but that's certainly no confirmation of a mathematical theorem. The confirmation comes when you prove it. In that sense, it is sort of unique among the sciences, even maybe that puts it a little more in the company of philosophy than the sciences, but our answers are right not when they check out with some calculator That's our answer is not right when we check it on the internet, it's not right when we check it with some higher power. Our our answers are right when we've proved it and we've convinced our colleagues of its accuracy based on logic and on derivation. And that's something that I try to convey to my students is that when they're doing problems, they're not just trying to solve a problem until they get an answer that agrees with the back of the book or an answer that agrees with their calculator or an answer that agrees with what I have in my solution key. They're trying to solve a problem until they are confident in its accuracy and they have, if necessary, you know, checked it with their colleagues and persuaded them that it's right. And at that point, they are right and if it doesn't agree with my solution key as a professor then that probably means that my solution key is wrong and they need to persuade me so that's kind of what math is for me and what makes it special is it's a process of understanding once you really understand something you own it yourself and nobody can take it away from you that's kind of the ultimate goal and that's what makes it satisfying Other people, meaning non-mathematicians, may not always realize that that's kind of what we do. We go for understanding and not just sort of for producing numerical answers.
0: That's a great summary. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you, Will. Thanks for coming.
1: Well, thank you, Carol. This is a great pleasure, and I appreciate your time and and setting this all up.
0: We'd love to hear from you. If you have a puzzle or something else that you'd like to share on the air, leave a voice message at anchor.com dot fm slash the art of mathematics with hyphens, or email me at cjacoby at jacobyconsulting.com Thanks for listening.